podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome back to another Love Tennis Podlet. Possibly the last Podlet, in fact, because we might just be doing full-length pods from here on in. Uh, Wimbledon is 13 days old in 2022. means there's only one day left. There are only two matches to go. Uh, We have today the men's singles final. And, George, the quizzical look, you know what the other matches say. It's the women's doubles final, which actually could be really good. It's Mertens and Zhang against Krejcikova and Sinyakova, which is... uh, high-powered doubles final, um, but it may well be completely ignored because it will follow the Djokovic-Kyrgios men's singles final. Um, we should start, though. Uh, George Belshaw is here, in case you've forgotten who he is. Uh, I'm James Gray, in case you've forgotten who I am. Uh, and we should start by talking about the women's final yesterday, where Elena Rabakina came from a set down to beat on Shabur. She won 3-6, 6-2, 6-2 in an hour and 51 minutes. It really was a match of two halves. Uh, Ons dominated the first set, but then was dominated by big-hitting Rabakina uh, in the next two, and she came through it. She almost didn't react when she won it. Uh, She walked to the net and said well done to Ons and then waved to the crowd. And In fact, almost throughout, she did not react. Uh, she, <laughs> Jabur said afterwards, uh, I think I need to teach her how to celebrate, which seems like a reasonable thing to say. Um, but she did kind of break, for want of a better word, uh, when Molly McAwee of the Telegraph asked her if she'd spoken to her parents yet and, and what they, she thought they would say when she did. And she said, I think they'll be proud, and then was just unable to speak because she was crying. And it was... It was a. Weird, it's always weird when people break down in press conferences, George, isn't it? Because you don't really know. What you want to do is go up and give them a hug. And, and obviously, you can't really do that. <laughs> um, and Faye, the moderator, sort of said, oh, you know, do you want to wrap it up there? And Elena said, no, no, it's okay. Like, you know. She, and then she said, uh, sort of laughingly, oh, you wanted some emotion. <laughs> um, and we kind of laughed. And then she said, oh, just kept it in too long, uh, which I thought was a very kind of... Um, meaningful thing to say and then there's this sort of spontaneous round of applause um sort of well done for crying dear i don't know it was i think it was just the only way we could show support just like you know awkward silence wasn't a great option so maybe applause is the best one george it's always difficult when that happens isn't it it's also cringe uh just one very quick point before i go to that my quizzical look was that only two matches james because there's a host of matches today including big alfie hewitt in the wheelchair final that's a good so, point was... i've actually neglected quite a lot of the order of play there it's the men's boys <laughs> final as well <laughs> two matches on center i'm sure yeah. is what you meant to say um exactly. but anyway um yeah i mean it, it was an interesting match wasn't it i mean we both thought ribakina would win um and i think how we thought the match would play out kind of did in the second and third sets. It mm. felt to me that Jabor, her craftiness kind of wore thin in the end. It didn't really get going, but it, it felt at the start of the match that Ribakina perhaps wasn't there, like whether the nerves were kind of taking control. She really missed a lot of poor short balls. Um, James, you rightly kind of said in our WhatsApp chat that it felt quite a big part of the match was going to be how much Jabor can draw um, Ribakina 
up towards the net basically and on kind of shorter balls um, because she really didn't look that comfortable when <laughs> these awkward slicey things were dropping about three foot away from the net so yeah I thought it was a, an interesting match I, I guess my one regret from it is that it never felt really like both players played at their best at the same time I thought Jabor did play really good stuff you know in the first set forehand was working way better than it had been um, in the previous match against Tatiana Maria but um, then it just sort of went away again. Um, but I enjoyed the match. You know, it was two interesting styles. I think Ribakina probably deserved the tournament on balance. I mean, if you look at the players she came through versus Jabor, um, as nice a story as Jabor would have been, felt to me more like Ribakina had earned, in inverted commas, a grand slam from the caliber of opponent she beat throughout. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I think. The most interesting question for me now, you know, aside from whether Jabor can teach Rubakina how to celebrate a little bit uh, more enthusiastically, mm-hmm. um, it's kind of where these two players go now. Um, you know, well, Jabor Rib- said afterwards that, you know, it, it, she had taken a lot from getting to the final. She said, I know that I'm going to come back and win a Grand Slam for sure. This is tennis, losing that is, and it's part of it. I had to learn from it, but I'm very, very positive about it. Um, I mean, I, I do think she will win a Grand Slam. Lots of people disagree. I know you disagree, George. I mean, my, my point would be that this is an era when there are going to be lots of opportunities to win Grand Slams. Um, Iga Shontek cannot win every week, as <laughs> as has been proven. Uh, you know, Naomi Osaka is not going to play every week, as has been proven. Emma Raducanu has a long way to go to be a, a dominant force. Coco Goff similarly has inconsistencies and, and plenty of off weeks. I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities and Jabur is solid enough, talented enough and skillful enough that she will take one of those opportunities. Yeah, maybe. I, I don't know. I I really like on Jabur. I think there's so much about her game that is excellent as a spectacle. And, you know, obviously she's just got to a Grand Slam final and normally my stick is... is once a player reaches a final, they're going to be more experienced for the next time and know how to handle it and um, then kind of kick on, if you like. But I, I'm i still worried she has limitations in her game that the very, very best players, if they meet her in a big match, will overcome. And it kind of felt like that with Rubakina yesterday, that she just hits the ball that bit deeper, that bit harder. With Jabor's game... Everything is very, very kind of fine margins in terms of if you don't get that drop shot right and it lands on the service line rather than halfway up towards the service line, it's a bad shot and it's easy, an easy put away. You know, because she's playing so much slice on the forehand, she gets a little less consistency on the kind of hitting through. Um, she doesn't really play topspin at all, really, on the forehand. It's mm. almost quite a flat shot. It's quite hard to move between the two shots. Um, so I, I, I don't know. But she, the thing is, she's excellent on both the clay and the grass. I don't see her winning a hard court slam. Maybe that's mm. a bit harsh. But I think she's got a better chance on what we call the natural surfaces. And the problem with her is, I think Sviontek's going to be winning the clay most mm. of the time. You know, that's where she's best. Um, so you are really looking at Wimbledon, um, and it's perfectly possible. Don't get me wrong. You know, it's it doesn't suit players like Osaka at the moment. Sviontek, you think will get better. Um, but yeah, I, I'm just not 100% convinced that her game will hold up in a tougher Grand Slam draw against those kind of bigger, more dominant players. Um, but as you rightly say, James, 
it's always a bit pointless making prediction in the women's game and these draws do open up and you know she could she could have been playing anyone in the final based on her the previous sets of rounds it just was not a great draw for her on the day yeah i think also i thought nerves would play a part of, of course it's a final they'd both never been in one before i thought jabur would get doinked by nerves quite frankly and i thought she held up okay um i don't think it was nerves that that did her in i think Rubikina played very well and hit her off the court to an extent. Um, they did. You say they didn't both play their best at the same time. I think there was a brief period, the first five games of the second, second set, set, albeit yeah. Rubikina won four of them. There were break they were good. Po- Matt. There were yeah, break- they were good games. There were break points in every single game, like five consecutive games with break points. I think there were twelve juices across three games at one point. Like it, it was a competitive. Bitter, and what I liked about it was, is it it was exactly what I wanted to see. It was the boxing match of um a big puncher against a counter puncher, and and in boxing, counter punching isn't quite the same as tennis, but it, it's that kind of um almost brains against brawn. Because I mean, the thing about Ons right is, I partly think she will win a Grand Slam. I partly want her to because she is so entertaining to watch. She can do so many different things with a tennis ball. Um, you know, I know she doesn't have the big topspin forehand, but everyone's got one of those. You know, everyone else has got one. Let them do the big hitting. Let her not only do interesting things in a tennis perspective, but also she lives on the court. You know exactly how she's feeling all the time. You know, there, there were just little things like um, she missed a serve and it got returned on the volley and she like hit a sort of Alan Shearer header like back over the net which was quite funny and you know she hit a couple of tweeners on you know chasing down lobs and she just has personality and and I'm not saying Rebecca doesn't but she certainly doesn't show much like you know she's very internalized and she does keep it bottled up and you know she's also young and not used to the big spotlight really I know she's like 25 in the world but realistically she's not um and you know she's also and I guess we'll come on to this She's also kind of hiding something, which is not really her fault. But for people who don't know, Eleni Rybakina was born in Moscow. She grew up in Moscow. Uh, she didn't get a huge amount of support from the Russian Federation because she was 500 in the world when she was 18. And the Kazakhstan Tennis Federation, who are extremely well-moneyed, came along with an offer that just made her life easier. And so she changed citizenship and she now represents Kazakhstan and the Kazakh Tennis Federation have done a huge amount to help her, uh, clearly. And the, the difficult factor is that she is still based in Russia, really. Um, her parents live in Russia. She says, oh, I live on tour. You know, I train in Slovakia and Dubai and Florida. But the reality is that she is, is based in Russia. And that's not illegal. Um, and it's not like she's Putin's, you know, Secretary of Defence. But it creates difficult questions, of course, um, that she will get asked probably quite regularly now. Um, She's learned how to deal with them. Uh, She played the I don't really understand the question line yesterday. And what she didn't do was, I don't really understand the question and stop talking because then they ask it again. She said, I don't really understand the question, but I'm Kazakhstan. They supported me. I'm proud to represent Kazakhstan. And that's probably the way to deal with it. it's not really fair that someone like her ends up in the middle of it, but equally, like you kind of have to ask the question because 
as anyone who follows me on Twitter knows, the Russian Tennis Federation did stand up yesterday and say, we won Wimbledon. <laughs> I mean, it, it's it certainly made it all very awkward for the All England Club, given the move they've got. I mean, you know, aside from them trying to claim the victory, I suppose the the flip side is you, you could somewhat argue it's a defeat for Russia for letting such a, a hot talent be lured away by Kazakhstan when they were younger. You know, she felt she wasn't getting the support from the, the Russian Federation. I know that will probably do very little to uh, ease Wimbledon's uh, <laughs> concerns about it. But yeah, I mean, you're right, James. It's... It is an awkward one, and we've said this the whole time about this whole kind of Russian fiasco. It's, it's not, it's never been about the individual in this thing, is it? It's more about the, you know, for once for better word, the the arseholes trying to claim this is a victory for Russia, and that's kind of exactly what's happened, and that that was what Wimbledon was trying to avoid in the first place, which has kind of spectacularly backfired in many ways, given uh, the consequences of now. I mean, we've got a Russian men's number one and uh, a Russian-born women's champion anyway so it, it, it it's not gone well and it may have kind of a lot of knock-on effects for the um the british game you know regarding perhaps the promotion of queens not becoming a masters for example um so it, it's ended up a bit of a sorry affair actually to be honest um and uh you know i was always a bit 50 50 on it the whole time as you'll be shocked to know i was always slightly on the fence i did kind of lean towards them slightly in favor of the band but I do, I do wonder if there'll be some question marks over whether it was worth it in the end. But, you know, it's, as I say, it's not it's certainly not a stick we should be beating Rubakina with. She played a great tournament, beat a lot of quality players. It's more uh, unfortunate happenstance, if you like. Mm. Um, yes, I, th- I, I do agree. Um, but I also know that people will have a go at journalists for asking the question. Um the, the Sunday Times do a lot of great work and it's part of their remit to do investigative journalism to create these questions and to to try and shine a light where otherwise there wouldn't be one shone. But to talk more about Elena Rybakina's tennis, which is excellent, um, where does she go from here, George? Uh, she will obviously earn 2,000 ranking points, which will... Ah, no, hang on. That's not going to happen, <laughs> is it? Um, it would... If she were to take the points that she deserves, 2,000 of them, it would catapult her pretty much up to the edge of the top 10. I mean, because I'm looking at it, and if you just add 2,000 points onto her tally, it does take her to number six in the world. But obviously, no one else is getting points, and I haven't done the maths. But, I mean, frankly, none of the top 15 have picked up that many points at Wimbledon, you know, fictional points. Um is she a legitimate top 10 player George and and where do we see her being a threat the US Open for example she's going to turn up as the newest Grand Slam champion although that doesn't always count for much yeah I mean on the ranking points bit I think if that was in the men's game that would be more damaging than the women's in many ways because the men's rankings are pretty set to me in terms of you've roughly got the top four as the top four best players in the world at the minute You've roughly got the top eight being eight of the very best guys on tour. You've got vaguely the top 16 being up there as well. Whereas there's a lot of players in that top 10 in the women's game right now. I look at and I think, I think there are comfortably 10 better players than you um, in, the, in the nicest way possible. You know, I think they're all good top pros, but because of so many weird storylines in the women's game over the last few years, 
it has the seedlings feel slightly less relevant to me in many mm. ways um, because I mean so da- much Daniel chaos. Col- Daniel Collins world number seven. I don't think any of us think that's normal. Yeah, Conservate isn't the second best player in the world either. Let's mm. be honest. Um, well, Jabor, I think it's about to go up to number two, possibly. Or, no, she's going she to go was down two to before. She's going down the other way, she's isn't going it? Down she to was number two. Five. Yeah, it's all such a mess. Um, you know, if you if you ask me, my top five at the minute, it would probably be Sviantek, Osaka, maybe Goff creeping in as number five. I still think someone like Andrescu could easily be a top five player if she gets Fissen back to form. Um, Muguruza, if she pulled herself together, could be comfortably top five. Um, you know, no, four of those aren't really that close, to, it, to be honest. So it, 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 I'm not so worried about it from that point, even though it must be like hugely frustrating not to pick up 2,000 points for the best tournament of your entire career. Um, in terms of where I think she can go, far, really. Um, as you say, the consistency is the big problem, but her game is big enough, powerful enough, um, and this tournament consistent enough to really trouble anyone on her day. Um, you know, there aren't many harder hitters on the, the women's tour. Probably the Osaka is the one that pops to mind as someone who could trade with her as deep and heavily. Um, as Rebecca hits it. So, yeah, I, I see no reason why she can't be a top five player and why she can't win multiple slams, but it's a, a bit foolhardy predicting anything in the women's game, really. And you, and you never know how someone's going to react to winning a first slam. Like, for some players, that's enough. And I'm not saying she'll be one of them. She seems to me quite level-headed and focused and on to kind of the next stage in many ways. Um, and almost the lack of emotion after it is quite a good thing sometimes in a, in, a, in a weird way in the sense of like, yeah, yeah I, ca- I should achieve this. Like, right, it's on to the next one. You know, it's kind of quite level. I don't know if that's what it is though. Like, I agree with you. And I remember Ka- uh, Calvin saying after Norrie won his quarterfinal, he's like, yeah, I like the reaction there. You know, says that this isn't the achievement. This is part of the journey. Um, but I don't think that's what that was. <laughs> I think she just doesn't really show much emotion. That's just not really her style, but. I do know what you mean. Um, yeah, it's 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 just just not her. I think. What, um, what about you? Where do you think she'll go? Do you think? I think it's. I think she or? has a. I think basically it depends on where the other players like her end up, because I think probably if she's up against the the players who are like her but just do it better, you know, like Osaka to an extent, Shontek, um Goff certainly, although I'm not convinced that Goff is necessarily better than her at the moment. Um, but players like that, you know, who who have similar weapons and rely on similar things. I think in those circumstances, she probably loses. But I think she beats a lot of the less powerful women on tour. I think she beats Sakari, she beats Bedosa, she beats Pagula. Um, I, I, I sort of seven times out of ten at the moment, and that'll get her a lot. That'll get her a long way. Uh, I guess it's about consistency. Someone pointed out to me that before the pandemic, she was the form player in world tennis. Um, So clearly she's got a lot to offer and she's not going away. And, you know, she's, she's part of a good team. She, she goes all over the world. She's pretty comfortable traveling. Um, She seems very settled. So yeah, I, I I don't know if she's going to be top five for long, 
but I can see her being top five, and I can see her maybe picking up another slam. She, she probably was up there with the most adversely affected players in terms of the pandemic. I mean, purely in terms of tennis, and not in terms of any kind of emotional, kind of more real life stuff, I suppose. But she was really, really, really bloody good mm. right before that kind of came in, and then it perhaps didn't quite click since coming back. It's not been terrible. Don't get me wrong. You know, it's, she's still a very top end WTA player, but I think from where some people saw her kind of taking off, it perhaps got stuck on the runway a little bit. Um, Mm. I mean, just, just to give people an idea of how informed she was um, in terms of like tour level, she reached four finals in 2020 uh, she only won one of them. She won the title in Hobart. She got to the final uh, in Shenzhen. She got to the final in St. Petersburg and Dubai. And then the pandemic happened. I mean, that is a, a, a two-month run that's pretty admirable. Yeah, exactly. And it's funny because I think a l- the question marks perhaps about her before, I think she didn't have the greatest record both against top 10 players and in finals. I think had quite right. bad losing records or at least losing runs um, against those types of players. So to kind of put that to bed on such a big stage um, speaks volumes about her, to be honest, um, and where I think she can go from there. So, mm. yeah. Before this I, final, she had lost her last five matches to top 10 players, um, which, yeah, probably is what you're referring to. And, and you know, it kind of... <laughs> It's one of those silly situations where you sort of go, let's wait and see if this is the start of something. Um, because we don't know whether it's the start of something or the end of something, um, as is always the case uh, with the women's game, I suppose, at the moment. Just just the way it is. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Now, before we move on to talk about Nick Kyrgios, we should talk about his video game. Well, it's not his video game, but he certainly features in Matchpoint Tennis Championships as one of the licensed players you can play as. There's loads of them. Carlos Alcaraz is on there as well. Some of the stars of the women's game too. Gobinia Muguruza, Victoria Azarenka, um, and, and many, many others. Uh, it's a great game. They've been kind enough to support us through uh, the whole of Wimbledon. Uh, we've also, George and I, have had the chance to play it. It came out uh, earlier this week on the 7th of July, so you can buy it now from game. George and I have played it quite a lot, um, and we've really enjoyed it. it. It's a genuine kind of immersive sim. Uh, it takes a bit of getting used to, as all video games should. But, um, yeah, it's it's really good fun. Uh, the multiplayer element, which is only really just starting to kick off, obviously, because it's only just been released Uh, It's great. You can cross-platform game online, so I've got it on Xbox, but you can play it on PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, on PC, uh, and you can play online against each other. Um, Next week, when Wimbledon is out of the way, I will stick my handle on Twitter and expect lots of teenagers to start sending me angry abuse (laughs) over voice message. But we might also play some tennis, uh, so I look forward to that. George, if you were um, playing today and... I made you play as Nick Kyrgios, which you probably would anyway, uh, and you were up against one of the great returners, what would your strategy be? I mean, obviously, you have to serve well. <laughs> yeah, 
I think I said last time I played match point tennis, uh, the only thing that was kind of keeping me in the matches was the ability to just keep hanging on to my serves. Like, I found that slightly easier getting the serve in all the time in tough positions rather than the, the ground strokes. But yeah, I mean, look, uh, in all seriousness, it's it's going to be a tough, tough ask for Kyrgios. Um, it would be a tough ask for Novak as well. I mean, I think we shouldn't underestimate how much Nick will get Novak out of his comfort zone. Um, I don't think it's just as simple as kind of serve versus return, um, as some will kind of try and reduce it to. Nick's serve is pretty bloody good, let's be honest. I mean, it, it's the disguise on it that makes it so so tough. I mean, it's one of those you're watching in real life, you've got no idea where he's about to put it. And, and that kind of shows with this kind of high ace count and... Um, and predictability but you know it, it's also what he's going to bring to the points you know sometimes he will try and drag out some longer rallies very occasionally but often it's very short sharp quick ways of ending it and Novak won't necessarily kind of like that I think against a lot of other players he'd like be able to get the, the serve back in against the big servers and almost reset the point and know okay Isner's not going to be able to hit through me here mm. like I'm going to make to make this as uncomfortable, but Kyrgios is a much better kind of ground stroke player than a lot of the other big servers. And he's got a lot more variety, a lot more unpredictability. Um, so that does kind of bring a fresh angle of challenge to Novak. Um, I do think Novak will win. That said, I think he kind of has too much in the locker and too much experience, but yeah, I, I just hope it, I hope it gets to a bit of a fever pitch the match. I do hope it kind of boils up and becomes an atmosphere and both, you know, it's, it's feeling a little bit too nicey-nicey for me before the match. And I hope that that was just a bit of a charade when they get back on there, they remember why why they were clubbing bits out of each other verbally in the first place. But that's just a, a petty uh, wish from a sadistic person, I suppose. It, it's... It... Renault Lichtenstein has been uh, appointed chair umpire for the the match just in the last hour or so, uh, and I think he's going. I hope he has a busy day, because as you say, George, I know sometimes we clutch our pearls and go, "Oh, isn't this terrible for tennis?" But um, I think the reality is that you know a bit of drama never hurt anyone, and as long as Nick isn't screaming at line judges and bullying invariably female officials, then I'm okay with it. Well, um, we might talk about this a bit more in detail in another day, but I went to watch um, McEnroe's documentary this week. Mm. Um, and McEnroe's obviously kind of come back into the media picture and the kind of storytelling around this final because yeah. there's, people are saying it's you know the most bad boy Wimbledon final since like <laughs> McEnroe Connors. Um, and yeah, that was a really fascinating watch this week, kind of getting into the headspace of what was kind of happening with McEnroe in those matches. And, you know, Calvin's always been like very much Kyrgios is totally different to McEnroe. McEnroe was only ever doing it to win or whatever. But um, I, I just think this is such a fascinating final in so many ways. You know, it, it feels like it'll be on tenterhooks the whole time and one moment could just make it totally, totally implode. Um, not to mention the tennis itself should be pretty top draw because they're both fantastic players you know Kyrgios is brimming with natural talent so much power so much variety and Novak is you know I, I, I don't really get it when people say Novak's style's boring like I watched that bloke run across the court become like stretch Armstrong and put his legs in the most ridiculous positions I'm like 
this guy's a complete freak of nature. I don't understand like how people are like not more in awe of some of the stuff he does on the court all the time. Um, but I think you know, as well as the kind of stuff that's gone under the bridge and the the bad boy, uh, you know, articles or whatever. As you say, often styles do make matches, and this is a a great match in terms of two completely different styles. Two players who want they'll see how they want the match to go in totally different ways in terms of point by point. You know, Novak will want long drawn out rallies where he can just probe Kyrgios's backhand, keep him moving around, test his physical fitness, get him around the court. Kyrgios will want to be hitting through this guy, breaking his resistance, not letting him find rhythm, serving to perfection. You know, it'll be a really fascinating match. I'm, yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to it. And I'm very jealous you get a live centre court seat, James. <laughs> well, uh, t- TBC on the uh, on the actual seat, but yeah, <laughs> I hope so. I've specifically requested one with a desk because I can't wedge a laptop between my knees for three hours again. Um, in terms of the what, what Kyrgios called a bromance, what Djokovic said wasn't quite a bromance, uh, but they've been kind of exchanging Instagram stories this week in a kind of quite cringy way, saying, oh, you know, ask me out for dinner, winner pay, loser pays. Um, you know, Kira saying, yeah, let's go to a nightclub and go nuts. I mean, look, this isn't going to happen because I, they do not have the same idea of a night out. I can guarantee you that. But, I've seen Djokovic uh, out with his top off before, to be fair. Yeah, yeah, maybe... I, I just can't really see it, George, if I'm honest. Um, well, Djokovic will have the uh, Champions Ball to go to if he does win. And uh, yes. might do as well, of course. Um, look, do we think that they really are friends? And look, I, I've said this before. I think Nick only misbehaves when he doesn't respect the opponent on the other side of the net. And I think he does respect Novak now. I wonder whether the occasion might get the better of him, though, because often it's just a reaction to stress, not a reaction to anything else. What do you think, George? Yeah, I mean, I think he he does respect Rafa, and he does he can still misbehave in those matches. So it's not necessarily a pure respect thing. I wouldn't say. I still think a lot of this is not fake but kind of played up this kind of new bromance or whatever i still think there will be stuff under the surface but as you say james i i don't think it takes what the other bloke is doing down the other end of the court to wind kirios up you know he he'll find something somewhere the crowd will play an important part i think as well you know you heard them booing kirios's name when Djokovic had finished his press conference sorry his um on court interview and you also heard them not giving Novak uh, much love in that match as well. So, you know, some, some will try to frame it as the most unpopular Wimbledon finals of all time, which I think is a bit harsh, to be honest, because I've seen some fairly drab Wimbledon finals that I imagine the crowd would never be particularly warm to. Um, but yeah, I think they'll play an interesting part. And if things go start going badly for Kyrgios quickly, will he try and ignite himself fire himself up by finding something else to blame, find something else to kind of get in his own head. Um, I don't know. And, you know, not to labour this point too much, but Kyrgios often gets really wound up when he feels like other people are getting preferential treatment. I've heard him say on court, like in matches where Rafa's not playing, like, you would never do this to Rafa. It's absolute nonsense. Why would you do this? You know, if the umpire 
And I'm thinking maybe like time violations here for like Novak on mm. serve if he's like bouncing the ball 14 times before a big point. You know, is mm. that the sort of thing that could just start catching fire a little bit? I don't know. You know, there's so many unknowns with this match. But worst comes the worst is two pretty good players who play a pretty good match. But I hope we get a bit of an explosion for me, if no one else. Well, um, we shall see. As always, we shall see. The great thing about sport is we talk for hours about what's going to happen and then we actually get an ending. You owe me a prediction today, I believe. I guess we both should put sets on it. Uh, yes, I think Djokovic in three. Okay. I'll, I'll probably go Novak in four, Kyrgios to win the second set in a tie break and then Novak just to crush his spirit. It's like one of those sets where Novak's like, yeah, I'm going to lure you in for a second and think you have a chance. You put this monumental effort to win it. And then he's like, right, I'm taking the next one, 6-1, and it's over for you, Sunshine. <laughs> Very good. Uh, I think that's all we've got time for. Uh, it's been quite a long podlet, so you're lucky. Hopefully you've got time to listen to it all before the final. Um, wherever you're watching it, do enjoy it. Don't watch it outside if you're in the UK, I would suggest, because it's going to be absolutely roasting hot. Um I'm so pleased to be going to Brighton today because it's like just naturally cooler air temperature. With like... <laughs> and you can just jump in the sea if you get too yeah, hot. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I'm very jealous in fairness. Although uh, the world and his wife will be there, so uh, it, it'll be pretty busy, I would suggest. Anyway, that's quite enough for Georgia's holiday plans. Thank you so much for listening, as always. And most importantly, do come back next time. Podcast Network.